Hello, and thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Ashley Burrell. I'm the Secretary of the Board for Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. We will be producing monthly podcasts featuring women of color in the peace and security field. So please visit WCAPS.org regularly for more details. Okay, so welcome to um, another edition of our WCAPS podcast. I'm very happy to have with us today Wertha Amir, who I met recently and uh, had a nice chance to touch base with, and she is very much uh, interested in issues of chemical weapons and nonproliferation. So it's very nice to have her um, do a podcast with us because I don't believe we've had one with anyone who's interested in those issues. Of course, um, I do some of that work uh, related to my my past engagements and weapons of mass destruction, but we've had a lot of discussions on nuclear, we've had some on bio, so now it's good to have some on Kim. My name is Bonnie Jenkins. I am the founder and president of WCAPS, and uh, I'd like to introduce Wertha Amir, who's going to be telling us a little bit about how she got interested in the field of chemical weapons issues and a little bit more of her background and some of the things that she's doing now. So, uh, Wertha, welcome. Thank you so much, Bonnie. It's such an honor to just be here today. Great. Um, and why don't we start by you saying a little bit more about yourself and uh, a little bit more of your background, like where you're from and, you know, things like that would be nice for our, for our listeners. Great. Um, well, my name is Wertha Amir. I am a Pakistani American, um, first generation American. My parents are from Lahore. Um, we got to, from a very young age, I had the opportunity to travel all around the world. Uh, I've lived in the United States and in the Caribbean. I've lived in Pakistan. I've lived in the Middle East in Qatar. Uh, I've also had the opportunity to live in Europe and now I'm back here in the United States in Washington, D.C. Um, so I've just had a kind of multicultural upbringing. Um, and I think it's, that's just been something, diversity has just been something that's been part of my being of always adapting to new cultures and new environments. Um, and so I'm really, really proud of, of the work that women of, uh, that you're doing at WCAPS. Uh, just because I, I think I, we, diversity is something that should be appreciated and it's something that is an asset if it's seen in that way. Excellent. So tell me how you got uh, interested in the chemical issues of chemical weapons nonproliferation and things like that. So my background is in chemical engineering. Uh, I graduated from Texas A&M University at Guther. Um, they have a branch campus there. Uh, where they offer the engineering programs. Uh, chemical engineering uh, was definitely something that I was able to go through. I had that technical background, but it was not something I was necessarily passionate about pursuing as a career um, in terms of from a technical point of view. But I think what happened is I, I found a mentor at the right time where I was able to see that I can use this technical background in a way that's very unconventional. 
And I made that link between the Chemical Weapons Convention and my chemical engineering background uh, very early on, as soon as I graduated, and was able to do an internship in a think tank in Pakistan that helped me make that connection and helped me kind of see that we need technical people in the policy realm. And particularly uh, for me, that was in chemical weapons issues and being able to apply my technical background in a way where in this area of international law or in this area of WMD policy. So when you, that's great. So when you, when you, um, when you first decided to pursue this, um, tell, tell me more about um, some of your, in, some of the folks who inspired you and encouraged you uh, to pursue this field. So for me, it was, I, I think your mentors come in places, unknown places. I think one, my, one of my first mentors in the area was actually my uncle. He uh, had He's an international lawyer. He's done stuff with the UN and he's, uh, he's based in Pakistan. I think he, I was able to just have a conversation with him where I kind of told him in my last semester before I was about to graduate as a chemical engineer that I just wasn't feeling the passion and wanting to pursue engineering. Um, and not, I wasn't really passionate about putting on those overalls, those goggles, the safety helmet, going out in the field and doing that work. Uh, and he was just like, how about you give this a shot at the think tank that he's the president of. Um, and I think when life gives you these opportunities at the time, it seemed like I was very skeptical about it. I don't think I wanted to go to Pakistan to do this internship, but you sometimes have to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions uh, to get something out of it, to even explore and, and see what, what the value of it might be. Uh, and I guess the best thing I did was taking that risk of, of go, going into this unknown territory, working in a country where I had not previously worked in, I had lived there, but never worked there. Um, and being in that environment uh, to develop an appreciation for the work that was being done in this think tank um, in, in, an, in a country where you can, I mean, I, I, I wish I could just explain the kind of impact it had of, of being able to do that internship, you know, while driving past donkey carts and those motorcycles and the rickshaws on the streets of Lahore going to work and then being able to focus on this area of international law that, you know, directly impacts the people who are outside um, going about their daily lives. Um, I think that's that having a mentor, taking that risk, jumping when you need to into uncomfortable territory is I think what kind of got me into this area. And, and you mentioned, you know, uh, the challenges of, of doing that, but you obviously met the challenges and you've actually uh, excelled. Uh, tell us about um, how did, how did you, how did you manage the challenges and, and, and to be successful? I think it again comes from um, just putting your taking the risk not being afraid to take on opportunities that may seem different or uncomfortable I think if you're getting that feeling that you're going outside of your comfort zone that's not a bad feeling to have 
um, it, it may be something that you're something new you're about to explore and figure out. Um, I also think that doing internships is the best way to explore the unknown because you're not committed to it, but you're getting to explore something in, in just a taste. Um, and you can choose whether you like to pursue that forward or not. Um, and after it was my internship in Pakistan that ultimately uh, introduced me to the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, which is located in The Hague in the Netherlands. Um, I had people, again, you have mentors, you have people, your colleagues, uh, people you're working with who may suggest things. And I think it's important to listen, to be open to ideas, to be open to advice that may help you. And I think it was people who said, who not only brought the organization to my attention, but told me that I should apply. And that push is sometimes all you need to kind of head to the next step. And next thing you know it, I did end up landing an internship with the OPCW um, and ended up moving to The Hague. And so what was that like, um, picking up and moving to The Hague? Uh, describe that uh, for us. Well, it was definitely very different from picking up and moving to Lahore. Um, I think The Hague was just a wonderful location. I uh, am a Muslim American. I am a Muslim, um, a visibly one as well, because I wear the hijab. Um, and I moved to The Hague days after uh, the Charlie Hebdo incident had happened in France. I was a little worried. I'd never lived in Europe before. I did not know what kind of backlash I would experience for being a Muslim, and, and, and when, especially when tensions were a little high following that incident. But I will say that I was blessed to be surrounded by people who were so accepting. And uh, I was working in an international organization environment, which was so appreciative of diversity, so inclusive. I never felt uncomfortable. And I think that was a blessing um, because that's not necessarily the case everywhere for everyone. Um, but I definitely had a wonderful experience and it wouldn't have been had I not been accepted in the way that I was um, by the amazing group of people I got to work with on a daily basis. Well, that's really great. That's, a, that's quite a plug for the OPCW, um, you know, and, and being appreciative of diversity like that. That's great, um, which we hope, we hope that an international organization would be. That's right. wonderful. Um, so what's the favorite aspect of, your, of what you're doing now, you think? Um, so my favorite, my, my most favorite thing about working in the chemical weapons field is when I get to think about who it impacts. Um, and for me, the impact is on the people. Um, I think I, I was always jealous of my parents' career. They, uh, for all the good, right reasons, they are doctors. They get to impact patients on a personal level. They get to be part of their stories. They get to help them at a time when they need it the most. Um, I think that when we're working on these treaties on these arms control issues on when I, when I get to think about the impact that is being created uh, by working on chemical weapons issues, by preserving that norm, we are kind of doing the work behind the curtains for people to not have to worry about 
falling victim to these absolutely monstrous uh, creations. Um, and that I wouldn't, we definitely have seen that norm being violated in places like Syria, Iraq, the United Kingdom, and even Malaysia. But um, I will say that there, if we, if living here right now, and, and I'll, I'll say in the, the United States, because that that's where we're at, are at the moment, if we are blessed to not have to worry about that, it is because of the work that people have done to protect these norms and preserve these norms. And that is, I think, what I find fascinating about this career is to impact human lives without them even realizing that we're possibly uh, preserving a norm that they might not have to worry about. Great, and you sound like you're, you, you wanna continue working in this field because it sounds like it's, it's really exciting and challenging at the same time and, and you have a strong passion for it. Is that, is that something that you'll be, you, you think you'll be sticking with this field? Absolutely, I think my connection into the field with my chemical engineering background was that connection between chemical engineering and putting chemical weapons together and kind of finding that career path. So it will, this is definitely a passion of mine. Um, and I think the passion comes from, because it, it's, it's a career not just about revolving about around myself and my professional ambitions, but it's actually greater than that. It's about the impact that can be created by the work that I put or the energy I invest in to this kind of professional area. Um, and I think that is, definitely where my passion comes from, just knowing the impact that this can create for people. So let's talk a little bit about being a woman of color in the field and, and, um, and you know, going back to when you were in, in Pakistan and working in the area as a woman, um, being in uh, The Hague as a woman of color, working on the field, working in the field now, um, what would you say about I mean, how many, how, how many women do you see, particularly women of color, um, in, in the field of, of chemical weapons, nonproliferation issues? And how has that been, how have you, how has it been a challenge and how have you um, kind of worked through those challenges? So um, most recently, uh, I've, I'm now in DC, I've been in DC for a year. Um, I will say I'm often the, only, well, there's not that many women in a, when you walk into a room, um, mm -hmm. but then there's not, there, there's probably one of two women of color, or, or probably one of two, uh, not that very few women of color in the room, but then just being, typically I'm the only Muslim woman standing in a room. Um, so definitely I feel the sense of underrepresent, uh, underrepresentation where we're, we definitely do not have the numbers on our side in terms of uh, our views, our demographic being represented at a table. Um, and that's, that is more of a challenge, I think, because when we talk about diversity, it's not just diversity of color, but I think it's diversity of thought and diversity of ideas that I think come from when we're able to appreciate that each of us bring our own stories and our own backgrounds and our own experiences to the table, which kind of creates that diversity in the way we think and the way the ideas that we have to put forward. Um, and that's definitely currently, I think, a challenge because I do think that there's a lot of women 
are a lot of people and a lot of stories that are not getting a voice at the table yet. Um, and I guess that's why I'm proud of the work that WCAPS is doing because I, I think that you are enabling these voices to be put forward. And how do you think it, I mean, you already said a lot about, um, about the need. How do you think it's impacted your engagement in the field personally? You know, I mean, just being, when you walk in a room and see that you're the, you may be the only woman, the only woman of color, the only Muslim American woman. Um, how does that, you think, impact your, the way you approach issues or the way you approach these meetings, for example? Well, to, to be honest, it's often quite intimidating to be the only person. Um, I think there's a weight that's put on you because you feel the weight of representing an entire demographic that is not necessarily being as represented. Um, so there is that part to it. But at the same time, it's, in, it's often an honor to be the one to, to represent and, and, and to, to know that the ideas that I can put forward are the things that I say may not yet have been heard um, and may have not been expressed in the same way. Um, I will say being a Muslim woman working towards advancing peace and security, um, there's not that many people I have seen who come from my background who have been doing the same kind of work. So it's, I've also lived in a time where um, there have been labels that have been associated to my community, um, which are not necessarily labels that say Muslims advance peace and security. So it's definitely, I feel like when I get to do this work that I do, or when I, uh, being in this area, I think it's, 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 it's an opportunity for me to embody uh, what I, the way, I think the way the majority of the Muslim community feels, um, which is we want to advance peace and security and also fight against the stereotypes that are associated with us, which just should never have been created in the first place. And you are, and you are certainly now, I mean, I, I, I know you're still, you know, very young, but you are a, a role model um, for, for young girls who are, who, you know, who can look up to you and, you know, as a, a you know a woman, uh, Muslim American in the field, um, what would be your advice to um, young women of color um, who are interested in the field of foreign policy and peace, um, and looking up to you as a as a role model? What would you be? What would you advise them in terms of, you know, getting in the field and some of the challenges that are in the field for women of color? Well. Uh I would, I would really hope that um, young women of color know that what they bring to the table is unique. It, I would want them to be resilient and I would want them to be proud of the story they bring and the perspective they bring. I think when we talk about diversity, it's basically we're talking about the, we're appreciating the beauty that we have and being unique individuals and the stories that we bring and no two stories are alike. So for young women of color who are wanting to enter into this field, 
your story is unique to you and the ideas that you have based off of your experiences and your background and the contributions that you can make based off of that is unique to you. And it, it is sometimes it becomes intimidating uh, being underrepresented, but I would want them to be resilient and hold on to what makes them strong and their diversity is their asset and their story is their asset. And I would hope that they'd hold on tight to that as they move forward in the career. And as, and as you, and as you look forward to your own advancement in the field, what are some of the things that um, you hope to see will be changing in the field in terms of bringing more women into these areas of peace and security and bringing more women of color uh, into these, into these fields. What, you know, what kind of changes would you like to see uh, happen to, to make it more, more accepting to women? Right. Um, I, for, I, I think that we definitely need to, um, there's so many people out there who are so competent and so capable who belong to all of these, uh, different demographics that need to be identified and appreciated and given the opportunity to contribute. Uh, we, I do believe that we need to increase the numbers of people from coming from different communities uh, to allow them the opportunity to just enter the pipeline. But there are people who are already, who do already exist within the pipeline who also need to be given the chance to contribute. And I think I would hope that we create an environment where we're, where we number one, accept that we need to increase the numbers of in the way we're representing. I think, I think we often do not talk about uh, the underrepresented communities and that we need to, I don't think we talk about that we need to increase the w number of women of color who are contributing to this uh, area at a round table or whatever. Um, I'm, 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 I am glad that we, we are starting to think about that we need panels at, uh, who, where women and men are equally, um, represented, but we're still struggling with these things. I think we're still struggling with just numbers of representation and it's not because we don't have the numbers. It's because we just aren't thinking about the people who do exist in the pipeline, the expertise that we do have that can be represented. So I do think that this is something we need to be more consciously thinking about um, in the area of um, how to be more inclusive and, and, and give people the opportunity to represent uh, their communities and their demographics in the area. Um, I also think that it comes from a very personal level when you, when you talk about creating a more inclusive environment. Um, I think each of us has to make a conscious decision to just be very, you know, ex inclusive of, of people who are different to us. Um, we need, it's, it's, I think it's something that we have to think about on a personal level um, as well, not just at an organizational level. Um, and I'm, I've been very fortunate to work in environments that have been very considerate about uh, me and, 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 and basically, uh, just to give an example, I recently went through Ramadan. Uh, I, I was fasting. I, had, I was at CSIS at the time. 
Uh, and I was very fortunate to have a team full of people who were so understanding to the time that I may have needed to fulfill my religious obligations and who were really willing to adjust any work hours and stuff for me as necessary uh, so that I could comfortably not only practice my faith, but also uh, be able to do the work that I do. So I, I, I felt very, very lucky and fortunate to have a team that was so um, understanding and also, you know, that they were able to create a working environment that was very, very, very um, flexible to me and my needs. So one thing I, I, I think you've already talked about several times, but, um, and maybe just give you another opportunity to, 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 to say a little bit more about that is, um, how, how, how do you define diversity? Um, and, um, you, and, and how do you, and building up on what you've been saying so far about how you encourage people to honor the uniqueness of, of themselves and challenge stereotypes uh, and promote more sensitivity. Right. Um, I, I, I define diversity as, um, I think it's, it's diversity is, is, is a beautiful way of saying that each of us is different in our own ways, but different in a good way where we're again, unique. Uh, we no two people are alike. We all bring our own uh, backgrounds. We all have our own experiences, our own life experiences. For me, that was living all around the world. For me, that was uh, belonging to a religious minority in the United States. Uh, for me, that was uh, being a woman of color, uh, being a woman. Um, it was fighting a stereotype that was associated with me through most of my life. Um, I think that Diversity is being unique and allowing your your background and your experiences and the edu even your educational background uh, using that in a way which makes you unique. Um, I see every person bringing that to the table in their own way um, and so diversity is is something that I think again it, it's celebrated for it should be celebrated for a reason. Um, especially when we're talking about making policy. Um, we don't want to deprive ourselves of, of all what people can offer coming from their different backgrounds and, and, and bringing their different ideas and, and different experiences to the table. Um, and uh, again, like creating an inclusive environment, I think it's not limited to just people of color. I think no matter what color you are, you're white, black, brown, orange, green, yellow, it's everyone's job to be appreciative of and respectful and mindful of everyone's different stories, background, you know, orientation. I think it's, it's each of our jobs to think about uh, the to celebrate our, our differences um, in, in a way that we call it celebrating diversity. Thank you for that. And so we have uh, our, the organization WCAS, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the president and, you know, it's so great to be able to meet uh, women like you in the field 
interested in the field, entering the field, and, and other women who are, you know, um, you know, mid-career um, and giving a voice to to women uh, like yourself. Uh, what say a little bit more, if you if you don't mind, about what you think WCAPS can do for women of color um, in the field of peace, security, and conflict transformation. I personally think that w, what WCAPS is doing is, is, is providing a platform for um, what I believe women of color in this area are, I, I don't like to use this term lightly, but I do think we're hidden figures. Um, and what WCAPS is doing is, is kind of shedding some light on, on these women that do exist in this field. And that is very, very important because um, I think it's, it's, it's important for other young women to know that there are women out there who look like them, who have come from similar backgrounds as them, um, to, who are contributing in this field. Because until they, if they see that, it might give them the kick or the motivation they need to also join the force. Um, and so what WCAPS is doing is providing that platform. Um, uh, I think uh, we need to kind of store, kind of create a visual impact, I would say. Uh, just if we could just disseminate uh, visually that yes, there are women of color in this field. Yes, there are women of color who might look like you, who might come from your background who are in this field. We might just uh, get some wheels turning in some young minds who might also be encouraged to join um, other women of color who are advancing peace and security. Well, this is really, I tell you, I'm really enjoying doing the doing this uh, organization. And like I said, meeting the, the amazing women who are out there in the field like yourself. And, you know, we will be doing uh, a mentorship program. And, you know, I see you as somebody who can be a mentor as well as a mentee. Um, and so we're, you know, we're hoping that we can bring on and, you know, maintain a, a great network of women of color uh, in the field. Um, so um, before we, before we, we sign off, I just, I just wanted to, you know, give you an opportunity, you know, to, if you wanted to, if you could and you, can <laughs> say something to our audience about, um, you know, you know how you feel about where you are in the field, how you feel about women of color in the field. And when I say the field, I say your field specifically in, in chemical weapons, nonproliferation issues, um, and where you think, um, you know, there may be opportunities for women of color in the field. If there are any last minute, uh, you know, things you would like to just say to the audience, uh, please uh, feel free to do so. All right. Um, one thing I want to say is that, again, be resilient. Um, do not be afraid to make that jump into this area um, or into any area. I think my, one of my biggest advice that I love to hand out is follow your passion. Um, kind of decipher what that is. And I would hope that your career is more, is, is not just about yourself, uh, but it is something bigger than that. It's something you want to accomplish uh, that 
maybe for more, more people than just yourself. Um, and I think in this area, if you want to come into the chemical weapons area, I would, I would truly hope that you're passionate about, uh, and you see it from a point of view that, uh, that we're preserving a norm, that are trying to preserve a norm that uh, directly impacts human lives on the ground. Um, and again, it, it requires, it is a narrow path to tread, but there, is, there are definitely um, paths and avenues that need to be explored. The reality is there's not that many people who there's not that much expertise in the whole chemical weapons uh, realm. Um, the expertise that exists is, is of an older age. We do need younger people, younger voices who continue to come into the area, who will continue to uh, make sure that the chemical weapons convention is, is, is complied by. Um, I would hope that uh, there are young people who, who find that interesting and I would say reach out to people who are in the area. Do not be afraid and do not be hesitant to do that. Um, and, and just try, um, if, you're, if you're a young person right now and you want to enter this area, I would highly recommend applying to the OPCW for an internship. Um, and never underestimate your potential and, and, and keep going for it. And especially if you are um, coming from an underrepresented demographic, just remember that you, that you're, no matter what community you come from, no matter what background you come from, that is in no way uh, something that works against you. It is your strength. It is your asset. You, your story, your background is something you should use to your advantage. Um, and it's something that is, it will always be your strength, never a weakness. Um, and I, 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 tr I truly hope, I truly hope that this, this podcast is, if, if it even inspires one person, I feel like um, this, this, this podcast was, would, would be so worth it. Wow, that's great. Thank you for that wonderful ending um, to what I think is a really good podcast. So, um, you. you know, I, I also um, uh, hope that folks will listen and get their friends to listen, um, particularly for the, for the younger women, um, because I think so much of what you've said will be extremely helpful to them. Um, and, and, and I hope that everyone stays, stay tuned to uh, what we're doing at WCAPS and the podcast, but, you know, future things we may do uh, to feature women in chemistry uh, and in and, and non-proliferation issues. So, you know, and you will certainly be one of the folks that we reach out to do that. Um, so with that, I'd like to, again, thank you. And I'd like to thank everyone who's listened to the podcast uh, for this recent edition and to continue to follow WCAPS and hear about the uh, amazing women of color who are doing work in the areas of peace, security, and conflict transformation. Um, and that, uh, and that everyone and wish everyone good luck with everything that their their endeavors and their passions until we have the next podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. Please visit WCAPS.org. That's WCAPS.org.